well, just what the world needed. Another podcast. But here we are, Susie Schuster, Amy Trask, here for the inaugural episode of What the Football. What the Football, Amy Trask, I thought was a perfect name because what are we doing here? And also, every time we watch a game, we're thinking, what just happened? Like, WTF? And I thought, in honor of Leslie Visser, who doesn't swear... We would change the F to football. What do you think of that? She does have issues with my swearing. I hear about that quite a bit from Ms. Visser, and mm. I try to oblige. It doesn't always happen. But, you know, before we dive in, I have a couple of questions about doing a podcast Please. with you. What are we eligible for? A Grammy, an Oscar, an Emmy, a Pulitzer? What are we in the running for? All of them? Whatever we're in the running for, I want one before Rich gets it because he seems like a shinier object these days, and I resent that. I think I think maybe we could get a Grammy. If we have to sing, we have to sing. I can't sing. We might lose viewers if I if I sing. I can't sing. Um, I have an Emmy. Rich doesn't have an Emmy. Well, there Rich you go. Rich has like a group Emmy. He's been nominated a lot of times. Believe me, I know. I've sat through the Emmy uh, celebration in New York many a time. It's long. You know, if if I it, have an Emmy, it has my name on it because I want it. Very cool. So maybe we could win one together. I'd like to win a Grammy. Um, and by the way, if they cast a movie about our podcast, we need, or if they make a movie about our podcast. When they we, make a movie about our podcast. When they make a movie, we need casting control. Because yeah. when Al Davis made the decision to move the Raiders from Los Angeles back to Oakland, one of the newspapers in the Bay Area decided, let's cast a movie about the negotiations and the process. Would you like to know who they cast as oh, me? God, please. Kathy Bates in Misery. <laughs> the newspaper said Amy Trask will be played by Kathy Bates. And then the parentheses was as appeared in her, in her role in Misery. Okay. I was, I, I, I I'm kind of still not over that. Let's break that down. First of all, you're this big. And by the way, those of you who are walking, driving, multitasking, um, you're this big. You are a tiny little person and a lot of personality in a tiny person. And by the way, the princess of darkness, I would be scared to death of you for myriad reasons, having spent 30 years next to Al Davis and basically being the boss woman of all boss women in the history of the National Football League. <clears throat> that said, I don't see you as a Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates in misery. I think what they were going for was the whacking people in the knees or whatever she whacked them with in, in that movie. Right. But it did sort of traumatize me. I would be traumatized. Who? I don't even know who I would be at this point. I think I told you I had a boss uh, at Fox Sports who referred to me as a Jewish nine, which I said, is that an American six? I mean, you don't take that uh, one. It's kind of rude. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a tough one, but I've moved on with my life. By the way, as to Al... Someone once said of me, off the record, she's a smarter, meaner Al Davis with a law degree. And so whenever he and I would argue, and we argued a lot, I disagreed with him more than I agreed with him over an almost 30-year period. After that article ran, I would look at him and I would say, smarter, meaner. And I would turn around and walk out of the room. Did you find that you and Al started dressing alike? Because if you look at pictures of you guys back in the day, you had a lot of black long stuff to go on with his tracksuits. Yeah, but I was thinking Audrey Hepburn. Hmm. You know, the whole black Audrey. She had the little black pants, the didn't little black get, skimmers, the little black that. shoes. No. Black. Yeah, everybody says, Amy, you wear a lot of black. Is that your Raider background? Audrey Hepburn. It's Audrey Hepburn. I'm trying to channel that. That's hysterical. I didn't see that at all. I, I went much more with the scary Princess of Darkness. Well, you should theme. be scared. You should be scared. You know who's scared? You know who's scared and nervous? Rich. He gets so nervous when I have an open mic in front of me. <laughs> and guys, you know, for all of you guys taking this in, and by the way, thank you. We appreciate you taking it in. We do. We're really excited to be here. The whole point of doing this was we're growing out the Rich Eisen show and the productions and podcasts and what have you. And uh, Amy, I love doing the show with. I always have a little bit of a coterie of people I call to do the show. And every time you and I do the show together, I feel like the conversations are substantive and interesting without – Stupid jargon for football, like, you know, oh, well, you know, he went way outside on the poster, ran a 7-4-6 slant, right, you know, left, right for Omaha. 25, bingo cross. I mean, you said it the other day, like, we can talk cover two with the best of them. Rod Woodson taught me about cover two before I got my job on ABC Sports, so 
I always wanted to be ready. I wanted to be the the woman out there who knew exactly what she was talking about. When you have a career working next to Playboy Playmates, you get known for being smart, which is great. But, you know, you are the same way. You'll watch a football game, and you don't have to show me what you know to prove that you're there. And that's kind of why we started this podcast in the first place. Well, and I'll tell you why I am joining you for this podcast. Because I want the opportunity to work with you, and I want the opportunity to part to be part of what you and Rich are building. It is a wonderful moment in life when you can work only with those with whom you wish to work, and you can select with whom you wish to work and say no to those with whom you don't wish to work. I'm going to be mushy now because it's our first podcast, and I'm going to tell you that I have such tremendous respect and admiration for both you and Rich. That's why I'm here. Well, fantastic. We'll cut that out, but we're going to <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you love to, and we're going to get into the news of the day because I know you're all waiting for that, um, but, I mean, God, wouldn't you love to go back and some of the people that you worked with who were such a-holes and you just think, if I could just get to this point in life where I can sit here on a Tuesday and talk to a friend about football, I mean, that is exactly what, what the football is about. Because, you know, we, you are a 30-year pro, the senior most woman in the history of the National Football League. You are the CEO of the Raiders, obviously. I'm telling you what you were in case you forgot. Um, but that's what you were, and that's who you are, and obviously CBS Sports Network as well. We love football. I mean, it takes over our lives. I went to go pick up Cooper at, uh, at Travel Baseball last night. I'm listening in the car to Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner, who I love desperately, and I am so excited listening to it because I actually like listening to radio football. You can imagine it. You can see it. And when you have somebody like Kevin who really describes it so Phenomenal. Well. Phenomenal. So Cooper comes running out. I'm like, Cooper, run, overtime. He's like, Mom, I heard about Aaron Rodgers. Like, I think what makes this podcast hopefully unique and for those of you out there joining us, thank you, um, is that we really like the game, and we like the players who play the game, but you bring all this experience from a management level. So before I ask you about Aaron Rodgers and what went down last night in New Jersey, we talked about who's nervous. And I said, Rich, because, again, the idea of an open mic for him, we've been together for 20-something years now, and it scares the living crap out of me <laughs> because I don't have a filter, which is why I don't go on Twitter. Who is more nervous right now? The Jets wondering what's going to happen to their future or Rich Eisen somewhere in the back wondering what the hell I'm going to say that's going to end his career. It's got to be Rich. It's absolutely got to be Rich. But you know what? He's also nervous because he loves you. That's true. So let's talk about last night because I need to hear from your perspective. Put your management hat back on. Imagine you've invested your entire future in in this quarterback, right? A 39-year-old quarterback coming in, Jets, you know, Rich, Dan Patrick, I heard him say this morning, the Jets can't have nice things. Rich loves to say, the Jets can't have nice things. Uh, Damon Lindelof, the the creator of Lost last night, he hitting me up all last night on text, like, here's what's going to happen. They're going to go to the final play of the game. The Jets are going to lose it at the last second because that's how we live our lives because God hates us. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm thinking, so put on your management hat. What can you imagine they are thinking right now as they look at the season ahead and here we are again with a quarterback nobody trusts, with a defense built to win? All that money and all that hope sunk into a 39-year-old quarterback who's done everything right in coming to New York. What can you imagine management is thinking? Well, I'm going to tell you all of that in one moment, but I am going to say the reason you saw me smiling when you mentioned, you know, God is because one thing I said throughout my career, when I hear people thanking God for a win or addressing God, God doesn't care if your team wins or not. You know, we don't have to get into all of that, but I just don't buy for those who believe that there is a God. I don't believe God is watching a football game. That's me. Um, What happened last night, resonates throughout the organization, of course. And people immediately think, what are the pro personnel employees doing? What are the trainers doing? What is the medical staff doing? This is something that will resonate throughout the organization. So when an injury like that occurs, and people knew, people with the team knew when he went down, there is at least a chance, if not a great likelihood, that this is very serious. And people within the organization mobilize immediately. 
first of all, most teams, I can't speak to the Jets, but I would believe that the Jets, like most teams, have lists of available players, players who can be signed as free agents, players who may be available for a trade at every position. In other words, you don't go into the season and lose a player, whatever the position, and then start to think about what do we do now? You've got lists of available players. You know who's available to be signed as a free agent. You know who might be available for a trade. So the minute this happens, different parts of the organization go into immediate work mode. Your trainers and your doctors, your medical staff are making phone calls for caring, you know, looking further into it. We need to get Aaron in for an MRI. We need to get Aaron in for this. And then if it is what we believe, how do we go about building a protocol for treating it? What are the next steps? All of that's happening with your training and medical personnel. Your football personnel are already talking during the game. What's our plan of action? What are we going to do next? In other words, they're not waiting until the game is over and they're not waiting until they get a final diagnosis. They are beginning their conversations immediately. But it's beyond that. Your PR people are meeting. How are we going to address this with the media after the game? How are we going to respond to questions? What are we going to do? The very next day, this morning, and this is what I would have done when with Raiders, I don't know that the Jets did this, you call a meeting of every single department because your customer service people are going to be receiving calls. Your advertising and sponsorship departments are going to be needing information. You're going to want to meet with every single group in that organization. Here's how we're going to deal with our suite holders when they have questions. Here's what we're going to tell our sponsors and our advertisers, our prospective sponsors and advertisers. Here's what we are going to say when we are uh, reached by the media. All of these things have to go on on parallel tracks. And Susie, gosh, honest truth, and you're going to believe me when I say this, I would have called a meeting for the very, very next day, every single department, and there would have been ice cream there. Of course there'll be ice cream there. We'll have ice cream later on the show when Charles Woodson pops by after Charles comes on. By the way, great booking for today. Somebody who won a Super Bowl trophy. Like, you don't, you're not like Nostradamus. You don't have like a weird kind of like Eight ball anywhere? Do you? I mean, how, I do have a, I, 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 I do have a magic eight ball, yeah. but um, that Charles is joining us is magnificent. And the speaks, timing is pretty great. Speaks to the man he is that he will take his time to do this with us. Yeah, it's pretty good. Let's talk about the subject matter of the field and the turf because David Bakhtiari was on the Rich Eisen show on Tuesday. Anybody can listen to that uh, on YouTube or maybe watch it again on Roku or what have you, but. Obviously, one of Aaron Rodgers' best friends, I would dare say, probably in his inner echelon. He hadn't spoken to him yet, but he was really um, forthcoming about the turf. Now, we've been talking about this for decades now. He mentioned on the show, football was meant to be played on grass. Anybody knows when you fall on turf versus you fall on natural grass, the protection of the actual... um, Absorption from natural grass is a lot easier on the players. If we know that players would rather play on grass, why is there still such a preponderance of turf? And what is your thought on this as the NFL will have to take a look at the turf, which it may or may not have been the turf. Right. But you saw his foot plant. You saw pellets come up. And everyone knows, you know, a lot of turf is made of recycled tires. But the question is, I wonder why the NFL or what they'll have to do in examining the turf. What do you think should happen there? And what are your impressions on that from your decades of experience? Well, a couple thoughts. You are absolutely right. We don't know if the fact that there was turf, uh, the fact that they were playing on turf was causative or simply correlative. We don't know the answer to that. I'll speak for myself. I don't know whether the fact that the game was on turf was causative Mm -hmm. or correlative. Um, But in addition to what you said about falling on turf and it being harder than grass, there is the planting issue and getting a foot caught, getting a cleat caught. But again, whether causative or correlative, I don't know. Um, Here's what I do know. The players have a lot more power in this regard than they may realize. We do know that stadiums that are turf find a way to put in grass when they're hosting World Cup events or other soccer events that require grass. So it can be done. There is a cost associated with it. Number one, the NFLPA can make that more of a priority 
in bargaining. And when I note this, people are quick to say, well, then they're going to have to give something up. Well, you know what? Prioritization. If your athletes, if the members of the National Football League Players Association tell those who are handling the negotiations, this is a priority to us, then they need to prioritize that. But there's something else, Susie. If you are a free agent, a coveted free agent, and you can sign anywhere you want, and you opt to sign somewhere where there's grass, let the teams with which you didn't sign know, I'm not signing with you because you don't have grass. That's going to send a powerful message to team owners. If you're a team owner that is dying to sign important free agents and multiple ones say to you, I'm not coming because you don't have grass, you know what? We're going to see some changes. The players have the power to sign where they wish, free agents that is. And if they don't factor it into their signing decisions, that sends a message to team owners as well. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. You get the privilege of doing the introductions here, Amy Trask. I am absolutely thrilled, utterly delighted, and overwhelmingly honored to welcome the best ever first guest on our first podcast, Heisman Trophy winner, Pro Football Hall of Famer, smooth defensive back, and now a smooth vintner. I rooted and cheered for his success on the field. I root and cheer for his success off the field. I will root and cheer for him always. So honored to welcome in my former teammate. He was a defensive back. I was a defensive end. We played well together. <laughs> welcome, Charles Woodson. And Charles, I've got your intercept wine right next to us, and we'll be toasting you later. Thank you for joining us. Oh, I love that. I, we talked about it earlier. There's nothing like a little product placement, so I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, you being a great defensive end, you know, it makes my job in the back end a lot easier. And, um, I, you know, the, the faster <laughs> I rushed, the faster I got to the quarterback, the less you had to cover. And the better you hey. covered, the quicker I got to the quarterback. Hey, you know, they say we are, those two positions, they go hand in hand. That's have right. A great back end without a great front end. So. That's exactly right. And by the way, Charles, I will admit to everybody, because I know you are too kind to do this, that when I first learned of your wine and went to purchase some, it never, ever, ever occurred to me why you named it Intercept Wine. And I oh, would say, on. no, Susie, it's a true story. It took a long time. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I get it interceptions, intercept, I can be slow that way. Yeah. And, you know, that's the great thing about, you know, when, when you're trying to come up with a name uh, for your label, you know, you want to have something that's catchy, uh, but you want to have something that, you know, it, it takes people a little while to try to figure out what it is. And when you sent that tweet out and you, and you talked about how it took you a little while to figure out why it was called intercept, I have that conversation all the time with people. And uh, that just lets me know that, um, you know, coming up with the name Intercept was the right way to go. And uh, you know what? When you get it, you get it. You well, know? So I'm, I'm glad you finally got it and you let other people know about it as well. You are very, very kind to be so gracious because when my family found out how long it took me to figure out why Charles Woodson <laughs> named his wine Intercept, they said, there's a reason that you had trouble in school. <laughs> well, you know, the, the great thing about the great thing about it for me is that, uh, you know, not everyone knows, you know, when they pick up a bottle of Intercept, they don't know that I play football. Um, and so they, when they figure out, you know, OK, this is Charles Wilson, he plays football. Then all of a sudden, OK, he plays defensive back. Then all of a sudden the name hits. Him. And, uh, you know, that's that's I think the, the beauty of the name of the wine is that it's able to. You know, bring those people who don't know that I played the game. They just enjoy great wine and put those two things together. Well, what I've learned is a smooth defensive back can make smooth wine. That's what it's all about. Well, we will crack this open shortly, by the way, because I've never been afraid. Oh, please of, do. Never been afraid of drinking while on the set. But let me just ask you right away, Charles Woodson, what were your thoughts watching after that fourth snap last night, Aaron Rodgers go down? Man, I was devastated. You know, um, I had been following A-Rod through this process of, of him leaving Green Bay and going to New York. 
And uh, you, you guys, you guys have seen him in interviews, and you watch, uh, you know, some of the hard knocks. I'm sure. Man, A. Rod just seemed like a different person. He seemed like a happy person. He seems like he was in the right place. Um, you watch the way that the team, uh, you know, really, you know, welcomed him into the team. Of course, they have a great deal of respect for him for what he's done over his career. When you watch him walk out uh, or run out with the flag last night and you watch that stadium just, you know, go crazy over the fact that they had one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, for him to go down, you know, at such an early point in the game, in the season, I'm devastated because I'm like, I'm, I'm a football fan at heart. And, you know, you want to see, you know, two of the best QBs in the game. You got an up and coming guy and Josh Allen, who's supposed to be one of the best in the game. And then you got an all time great and you want to see these guys, you know, clash and you just want to see a lot of great football. Um, but for, for A-Rod, man, I know that he was feeling, you know, really, really good about being in New York. He felt good about this team and they, they had high hopes going into this season. So, you know, I'm hurting for, for Aaron right now. Um, you know, this Jets team, they, they still rallied and got the win. But, man, that's the tough blow for this, uh, this this New York Jets team. It sure is, Charles. And it's going to take leadership in that locker room to keep the spirits of this team from just hitting the ground and staying on the ground. I imagine the spirits are down right now. Do you have any sense of how or who um, is going to help with that in the locker room? I think it's, well, it's the defense, you know, they, they, they hang their hat on that defense. If you, you look at this team from, from last year, um, they won a bunch of games and a lot of it was because of the defense and then also that running game. Um, but I think along with the defense and their head coach, uh, Salah, he, you know, he, he, he has a, a great feel for this team. I believe he has the pulse of this team and he'll have the team ready. But man, you know, the thing about, you know, life in general and, and of course the NFL, Life goes on. The game's yeah. not going to stop because you lose your best quarterback. And guess who they have coming up next? The Dallas Cowboys. Oh. So, <laughs> so, so you gotta you gotta turn the page really quickly because the Dallas Cowboys. Trust me, they don't care about who's on the other side, who's the quarterback. They don't care that you lost your four time MVP um, franchise savior. They do not care. This team is hungry and you watch them play against the Giants and put the goose up, egg, goose egg up against those guys. Man, they are coming. So this Jets team, they, they, they got to turn the page, man, and, and move on to next week really I mean, quick. Micah Parsons. I mean, he just mean, must be looking at Wilson thinking I'm about to go have a sandwich uh, when he sees that kid back out there again. And I feel for Zach Wilson there, but let's go back to Aaron for a second. You know him so well. He's 39, and Achilles is no joke, but it is uh, you can come back from it. What do you expect to see from him? I think a lot of people are wondering, could this possibly be the last time we see Aaron Rodgers on the field? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, coming into the season, you know, Aaron took a, a retreat to figure out if he wanted to play anymore. You know what I mean? And so – this is just to me. It's like another retreat, but it's it's an injury and uh, one that's uh, I'm sure is a grueling, you know, process to try to come back from. But if I know, you know, not only Aaron but any any athlete, any competitor, you don't you don't want to go out your last year, you know, having been injured and not being able to you know play out the season. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a stab. I'm gonna take a guess at it that Aaron Rodgers does does. For him not to be able to actually experience what I think he was looking forward to, and that's playing in New York and playing with this Jets team, I have to imagine that he's saying to himself, you know what, I got to give it another shot. I'm going to hit this rehab um, like nobody's ever you know, hit rehab before and try to get myself ready to come back um, at the age of 40. And, and and play the game again. So I, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this is not the last we see of Aaron. You know, Charles raises a great point about the defense because that team is built around its defense. And if that defense can hold opponents to very very few points, that obviously takes the pressure off the offense. I mean, a defense that's going to allow a, an opposing team to score 35, 37 points that's going to be a lot tougher than a defense that can hold its opponent to 14, 17 points. And that's what Charles would have done. Charles would have been a leader in that locker room and let the offense know we got you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be important. Uh, but, and like you said, you know, uh, the defense will be, you know, the rock for this team, but 
that offense, they cannot turn the ball over. You know, it's only so much that defense is going to be able to do. So Zach Wilson, you know, he had his struggles, of course, a year ago. You know, they're hoping that he he, he gained some knowledge, you know, uh, up under Aaron Rodgers and, and that that'll translate to the field. But like I said, you know, coming up against this Cowboys team, that's that's very opportunistic. They got playmakers in the back end, and they they're very very good at taking the ball out of the air. So Zach cannot turn the ball over and, and continue to put that defense in bad positions. Will you reach out to Aaron? Will you talk to him and talk to him and counsel him through this? Yeah, I sent him a message earlier. Um, you know, I'm not sure. You know, I get a reply back, but it's it's not about that. I just sent him a message. Uh, you know, just to tell him basically what I told you. I was des- devastated for him. You know, just a fan of the game. I wanted to see him go out and perform well. Watched him over the course of this offseason and just watched his demeanor and his body language and everything. It was it was so positive. That's why it hurts. You know, it hurts so much to see a guy go down. You know, four plays into the game and not being able to really express what it means for him to be in, in, in New York and playing for the Jets. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting, Charles. He is a guy who always looks for signs. You know, he's talked about that before. And But I still remember Kobe Bryant going down with an Achilles in 2013, I think it was, and him saying that I won't have my career end. That's not in my control. Um, David Bakhtiari was on the Rich Eisen Show on Tuesday, and he as well said that knowing him as well as he does and feeling as close to him, to Aaron Rodgers as he is, he doesn't believe that this will end his career either. So uh, I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think I think everybody in this moment kind of thinks of Kobe Bryant. You know, Kobe Bryant was, you know, he was a different, <laughs> he was a different animal, you know what I mean? So uh, Kobe was like, there's no way that this will be the last picture of me as a basketball player um, walking out with an Achilles injury. And you know, he, he was dead set on coming back. And I got to believe, you know, that, that message that Kobe sent to everyone for him to come back. I think that resonates uh, with a lot of people and a lot of people look to Kobe and the things that he said, the mama mentality and all of that. And I just have to believe that Aaron Rodgers is kind of feeling that same way. And um, he'll try to come back and, and, and play with this team next season. Yeah, Charles, I think it's about controlling the narrative for a lot of guys out there. They want to be able to control their own destiny, control their own narrative. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens for Aaron Rodgers and for the Jets. And good Lord, Sunday's going to come really fast for those guys. But I want to ask you, uh, before we move on to a couple other things, about Tyreek Hill. Because last time I checked, he was still running and catching balls. I mean, it was insane <laughs> watching him play out here. Yeah, Charles would have shut him down. Charles, could, yeah. could you have shut down Tyreek Hill? I want to know. Well, you come on, man. This, this, the, the competitor in me says, man, absolutely. I mean, I, I, it, it doesn't matter who's on the other side of that ball, man. I feel like I can shut you down. Um, and we counted yeah, on you, that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, you guys bring up uh, Tyree Hill. I just feel like, you know, in my humble opinion, watching football and watching all of the great young talent out there, Tyreek Hill is the best wide receiver in football right now. He is number one. And uh, everybody else is second, third, fourth, or fifth, however you want to put them. Um, but his his speed, what uh, for one, is the scariest thing about him, of course, because he can catch any pass and he can take it to sit, uh, take it to distance. He can outrun any angle. Um, but I think just over the course of his career, he's gotten better at his route running as well. And so to comp- combine a guy with speed like that and route running abil- ability, most guys that are that fast, you know, do not run gr- great routes. And he can do it all. So um, unbelievable game he played um, the other day. Um, and then Tua as well. You know, he's had his 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 mm-hmm. doubters. Um, but, man, you know, bring that team back and go down there and score the way that they did. And, uh, you know, I just think they kind of, they kind of, you know, put everyone on notice that, you know, with a healthy Tua and, you know, second year under Mike McDaniels, Vic Vangio being in there I think is important for that defense. He, he dialed up some great – Blitzes late in the game uh, to get the ball, you know, uh, uh, out of uh, the Chargers' hands. And so, yeah, man, I, I loved everything about what, what the Miami Dolphins did last week. And great point you made about the second year in that offense. Tyreek made the same point after the game that he feels so much more comfortable the second year in the offense. He said last year all he did was use his speed. This year he's building a lot more into his play than simply speed. Yeah, the one thing you do, and, and you know, for 
any player, you know, when you go into a new offense, defense, whatever it is, you just try to learn what it is that is expected of you for that offense or that set or that that personnel grouping, you know, and you want to be the best at doing that perfectly. And then once you do that, now you implement that to what the other team does to kind of combat what you do. So you start studying the, the opponent a lot more. So I'm sure he's added some things to his route running in terms of what mm-hmm. they do offensively against certain, um, you know, whether it's zone, man-to-man, or whatever pressures they're running. And so now he he's, he has a better feel of the holes in defenses. And, man, a guy like that who's getting better at recognizing what you're trying to do, he, say, he, say, he said he's going to go for 2,000. And so, you know, he's had a heck of a start, you know, with 200-plus yards, man. So, hey, if he says he's going for 2,000, I'm going to agree with him. So, Charles, who would be the baddest man on defense in the National Football League currently that could possibly stop him? Uh, well, you need Aaron Donald because you need somebody to get the quarterback to keep to keep Tyreek from getting the ball. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I, I think defensively, I don't think there's anybody one-on-one that's going to stop Tyreek Hill uh, from a defensive back um, perspective. That can stop if you're going to line up just one on one. I don't think it happens. Um, so I, I think that in terms of your defense and who you have up front, you have to have guys that can get to the quarterback to keep that quarterback from getting the ball to Tyreek Hill. Hey, and Charles, as you've seen last week. Sorry, yes, yes. Sorry, I was just I'm smiling ear to ear listening to you because you know what I hear in my ear. Something you What's heard that? a lot. The quarterback must go down. And he must go down he must, hard. He must, he must go down hard. You better believe it. <laughs> that was Al's mantra, man. So you got to find guys like Aaron Donald that can take the quarterback down hard. My God. So you guys are on the same page. See, you guys are reading from the same word. Uh, I want to <laughs> ask you this. Who impressed you week one the most? Oh, man. Uh, I got to say, really, two teams. Uh, we talked about the Cowboys already. Um, so that would be one. But I think the 49ers and Brock Purdy, uh, what they did going on the road, I mean, they basically just dismantled the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, we already know that that defense is, you know, they're, they're as, as good as any defense out there. And uh, they just they smothered the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I think the story is really Brock Purdy. Uh, the guy hasn't lost a game. Uh, he had the surgery, you know, coming off of last year, the elbow surgery. Uh, but he came back that first game and it just felt like he didn't really miss a beat. You know, he's as poised as any young quarterback you're going to find in the league and as poised as any older quarterback that you're going to find in the league. And he just did an excellent job of putting the ball in, in where it needed to be, uh, getting it to his open receivers. Uh, McCaffrey played uh, lights out as well. So this team is is definitely stacked. Uh, so I would say the Cowboys and, and, and the 49ers are, are the teams that um, surprise me the most. What do you think about primetime out in Colorado? What are you thinking watching him coach the Colorado Buffs to a great 2-0 start out there? It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, that, that's prime, man. I, I, I don't, um, you know, prime asks the question to everyone, you know, do you believe? And uh, I, I, there's never been a time in my life ever watching primetime that I didn't believe. And, you know, I think the the most uh, the, the thing that I don't think people really talk about as much, you know, we talk about Prime, of course. We talk about his son, Shadur, who's playing lights out at quarterback. Um, we talk about um, what's uh, the two-way player name is skipping my mind, Travis Hunter. Yeah. Talk about Travis Hunter. So, you know, those are the names you talk about. But what Prime has done, you know, from a assistant coaching standpoint and putting putting you know, real teachers around these young kids. Like that's the, that's the, that's the thing that puts you over the top. Like like I, when I think about my career, I think about my, my position coaches. Those are who I spend the most time around. Those are the people who teach you the things that you need to know, the, the nuances of what the coordinator is, is uh, trying to get you to, 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 to know and understand about the offense or defense. So him putting together a great staff of assistants that are helped, uh, that are helping to develop these young guys, I think is 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 the story, along with Prime himself, um, you know, making these guys believe in themselves. Boy, oh boy, you hit the nail on the head about teaching. All right, you are a magnificent, magnificent player. You are a magnificent, magnificent businessman. 
Would you have any interest in coaching? Because you would just be a magnificent, magnificent coach. But just so you know, I also have another career in mind for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I get that question all the time about about coaching. And um, you know what? I just I don't have the desire to do it. You know, I never I, I never say never uh, that, I, that I wouldn't do it at some point. You know, I've, I've, I've coached my kids, you know, flag football teams and that sort of thing. But I just don't have the desire to to be a coach. And I don't feel like, you know, me not being able to give them everything I would have as a coach, you know, then I'm not going to do that. You know, so um, like I said, down the line, who knows? But at this point, uh, coaching, no, is not on my radar. Well, you would be a magnificent coach, but I, of course, respect your analysis and your reasoning. And now I will share with you what I think your next career should be. And if you choose to do this, I will run your campaign. Charles okay. Woodson, United States Senator. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. We need men like you in leadership positions. I have seen you on the field. I've seen you off the field. And when you decide you're ready to run for office, I will help run your campaign. Oh, man, I, I, I don't know, uh, Amy. You know, when you start running for these offices, man, you got to go through discovery, man. I, I don't know <laughs> if I can deal with all that. <laughs> An excellent point. Before yeah, we lose you. Know, you. Yeah. They'll be digging up all my Raider days. Amy. I, don't, I, don't I got your back. I had your back then. I have your back now. Yeah, I feel like I feel like she could probably filter stuff out for you, if you know what I mean. But you must have something on yeah. Amy, don't you? Have any dirt on the Princess of Darkness? Give me, you gotta have something. I, I think we just lost Charles. I think we just lost yeah, our connection. Oh, I still I, have I a connection. I don't think we have Charles anymore. I still have a connection yeah. with Charles. Thank you very yeah. much. No, we, we we don't we don't we don't tell uh, you know our business out there in that, Raiders Land. We keep it we keep it under wraps. That's right. First rule of Fight Club: you don't talk about Fight Club. That's right. That's Be- right. Before we lose you. I always think it's so insane. People are like, all right, who's your Super Bowl prediction? Because look what happened, all, you know, on Monday Night Football. Look what happened. So, you know, Rich always loves to ask people and put them on the spot. And I always, like, I would always say if anybody actually gave a crap what I think, I wouldn't answer it because you can't I predict. love you. I'm right. I love you. I love you. You're absolutely right. But it's true. Don't you think, Charles, it's like... How do I know? I don't know what I'm having for dinner on Tuesday. So my point is, yeah. my point is, who's going to be in the, who's going to be in the Super Bowl? <laughs> but, but, so I can hold you, you up you, against you, it. You're going to ask anyway, right? Yeah, why uh, not? I, I, so right now, uh, going into the season, I said I think we'd probably get a repeat. Um, so uh, I know that the the Chiefs, you know, they, they they were without Kelsey and Chris Jones, just got Chris Jones back. So, you know, they'll they'll be back as a team as well. Philly, you know, they had their struggles against uh the Pats, you know, let the Pats back in the game. But at this point in time, the last two Super Bowl participants, I'm gonna roll with that for now. But I'll give it a couple of weeks and and, and see whether or not I want to come off either one of those guys, depending on play, but I'm going to go with a repeat of uh, last year's Super Bowl. All right. You do know that Rich went on his own show basically begging Tom Brady to come on, right? You know, to come and save the Jets. You know that, right? To, to save the this year? Yeah, he basically went on his show on Tuesday morning and pretty much begged Tom Brady to come and, and, and save the Jets. And I'm thinking as a total Patriots homer, don't even look at Tommy. He's not coming to save you. He's not putting on the green and white. Back off Tom Brady, don't you think? Come on. You, listen, listen, I, I, I watched um, A-Rod was in the game for four plays and he was literally running for his life for four plays. Tom Brady is not coming back. Please, Rich, leave it alone. That's right. <laughs> you don't want you don't you don't want that. No, you don't want Tom Brady out there running for his life. No, we're not giving up Tom Brady. You had him in Michigan. That's enough. We were so psyched to have you on. So we really appreciate you being our first guest. I'm going to get very, very mushy with you, Charles. I have such tremendous respect and admiration and appreciation for you. And the fact that you would take your time to join us on this show means the world. And I'm actually giving myself a lump in my throat as I'm thanking you. I love you. I will root and cheer for you forever. I will run your campaign should you choose to win. Uh, run. No, well, if you choose to run, you're going to win. And when we right. say goodbye to you, we're cracking your Intercept wine, which I now understand why you named it Intercept. That's right. 
Hey, well, hey, congratulations to uh, both of you um, on all the success on your in your new show. I'm not sure what I did to be the first guest uh, on the show, but I'm certainly honored uh, to be on with you guys and uh, look forward to seeing what you do next. Thanks so Thank much, you, Charles. Charles. Back to New York sports, because it was a rough, rough week for New York sports. And you pointed it out. And so did Josh Allen, by the way, when he pointed out that he was going to be playing in New Jersey. Because, again, let's not forget the the guys play across the bridge and across the river in New Jersey. And the Bills. I mean, just a rough week for New York sports. But you in particular have something on your mind when it comes to the New York football Giants. There is something stuck in my craw about the Giants. And I will get that to that in one moment. But I do want to say something that is really, I'll say it has maybe not stunned me. But certainly surprised me is all the off-season hoopla, whoop-de-doo about the New York Giants. And by the way, Susie, those are two very, very technical football sayings or expressions. Hoopla and whoop-de-doo. Yeah, I heard that at the Combine along right. with heavy-legged waistbender. Well, right. and, and you know, there is a lot of hoopla and whoop-de-doo when Rich runs the 40. But in this off-season, there was so much hoopla and hype about the Giants the Giants went 9-7 and seven last year, but of those nine wins, six were in the first seven games. Always, always dangerous when I do math on air. I did it wrong once on the Rich Eisen Show. First phone call from my dad. You're still doing the math wrong. But I got this math right, I think. If you're winning six of your first seven games and you're going 9-7, and seven, that means you've won only three of your last ten games. So I've been puzzled. Maybe that's a better word than stunned or surprised. I've been puzzled by all the off-season whoop-de-doo about the Giants. They won three out of ten games, and yes, they went to the playoffs, but I'm just not as excited about them as others are. Now, here's what's in my craw about that game. There was a play in which the Giants had only ten men on the field. Now, look, if you're going to lose a game because you don't match up well against your opponent— if you're going to lose a game because you can't cover a team's receivers, because you can't beat their pass defense with your pass rush, because you can't protect your own quarterback, okay, you're going to lose a game. And I'm not suggesting 10 men on the field is why the Giants lost. The Giants got killed. But we do see games in which not having the right number of men on the field, either because you're penalized for too many men on the field or you don't play well because you have too few men on the field, makes a difference. Again, it wasn't the deciding factor, of course, in this game. But how the heck do you not have the right number of players on the field? The Giants have, I think, 24 coaches, a head coach and about 23 or so assistants. There's also football interns. There's football personnel they are upstairs, they are on the ground, they are on the sideline, they are in the box. You can't tell me that one person can't look at the field either from upstairs or on the field and say, we're missing a man. Even Mr. Ed can count to 11. I, this just, when you're in the front office of a team, when you are an executive with the National Football League team, you know there are games you're going to lose because your roster doesn't match up. Your roster isn't full. Your roster is depleted. You simply don't match up with the opponent. But to not have the right number of men on the field made my brain explode during my years in the league. It still makes my brain explode. You know what's funny you were saying about the coaches? I had a coaching moment in, that I was watching this weekend, and obviously I hate sloppy football, like you were saying, but I was thinking about the coaches that lost this week, Andy Reid losing, and I was thinking about Pete Carroll losing, Mike Tomlin losing. There was a moment at the end of that Rams-Seahawks game where Pete put his hand around Sean McVay, whispered something in his ear. I kind of wish I'd known what it was because, man, Pete Carroll hates to lose. And you know he's looking at Sean McVay thinking, I could be your grandfather. <laughs> I got to wonder what your thoughts are on some of these guys that lost week one. Well, it was week one. And, you know, I get torn between two theories. There are some people who say week one, it's a long season. We hear all the time, marathon, not a sprint. I get all that. But one game is also over 5% of your season. 
two games, do the math, that's over 10% of your season. So, you know, we're going to see a lot better from Andy Reid. We're going to see a lot better from Pete Carroll. But I, too, wonder what he said to Sean. Oh, I, will, I feel like I'm going to ping him just to ask him. It's like, what if I say to him, like, Pete, I won't tell anybody, just between you and me. What did he say to you? Because so, he could be dishy. Maybe he'll tell me. Then, of course, I'd use it on the podcast. He'd be so <laughs> pissed at me. I, uh, I, I just think that uh, as we look at week one, I think about it. It's the equivalent of having a ninth grader where you say to them, by the way, your grades are going to count. Well, right. I mean, because they think, oh, it's just week one. It's just ninth grade freshman. You know, the fall doesn't matter. And this and is by why- the way, it'll follow you into February. And this is why you're such a good mom, because you do tell your kids things like that. You know, it's 17 games. One seventeenth can matter. If you miss the playoffs by one game, it doesn't matter whether that was game one or game 17. So when I hear people say it's a marathon, not a sprint, okay, we get it. There's 17 games, but there's only 17 games. And if you lose your division by one game, that's a big deal. If you don't make the playoffs by one game, just like that first week of ninth grade matters. It's so true. Um, Liz, if you're listening, by the way, can you grab the ice cream out of the freezer? Because we're going to close the show up as we're going to do every week and with I got- a little bit of ice cream. Because we just feel like what the football and ice cream go hand in hand. you got to have your snacks to watch football. Here's what we're going to do on what the football. I know jack crap and a half about fantasy. I'm not going to lie. Amy, how much do you know about fantasy? I'm not a fantasy football girl. I don't like it. It's not my cup of tea. No. I might say something a little harsher. My mother would always just say, just say it's not your cup of tea. Right. It's not my cup of tea. So you guys do all your fantasy stuff. I'm making ice cream sundaes. So that, that a- I said, Jack, crap and a half, and she said cup of tea really shows a lot. And I <laughs> said to Rich, I said, I'm going to call T.J. Jefferson from the Rich Eisen Show because I love him and because I think he's value-added. And T.J., while we... Pour out and listen for uh, the kids call it a- ASMR. I think right. Oh wow, that, like that sounded delicious. That's, that's the whipped cream here Hello. at What the Football because that's how we roll here. Uh, we are going to have a little ice cream and talk to you. This is our fantasy snack, TJ. You're going to join us weekly to give a couple snackable items. Thank you oh, very much, TJ. Would over. you like sprinkles? Oh, you know I would. Yeah, you would. <laughs> All right. So, I, I, first of all, ladies, I want to say congratulations on your new podcast. This is amazing. Um, I feel honored that you've thought to have me on with you guys. Thank you so much. We love that you're joining us. I made you a Sunday. I appreciate appreciate that even more. Football's mostly on Sundays, and we're having Sundays. Uh, I like your style. I like your style, Amy Trask. So you guys want to talk fantasy football? We need your help. Okay, well, I'm here to help. And so what I'll do is I'm just going to tell you guys, you ladies, I'm sorry, and your viewers, some, some of the players to look out for, some of the players to avoid, some players to pick up. You know, this, that, and the third, and I'm sure this will change as we go on. But let's start off right now. There's a, there's a player out there who put up a stat line pretty much equal to the, what the three of us put up last week, and that was zero catches, one target. That was Dallas Goddard of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a guy I'm going to tell you to buy low, right? If people have Dallas Goddard on their team, they're probably panicking right now, right? They're looking at their team. They're trying to, like, pull them out. They're pulling out their hair. I'm going to tell you guys to – do like Frankie says and relax. Dallas Garther is going to be just fine. He's going to be a, a primary, maybe not the primary because there's A.J. Brown, there's Devontae Smith, but Jalen Hurts is going to look for Dallas, and I feel as though he will redeem himself. So if you have him, don't panic. If you don't have him, go to that person in your league that does have him who probably is panicking and make them a deal. And lowball them, by the way, too. Don't give them anything great because they're going to want to unload him. Let so them like, do what, it. What kind of quality player would you try to unload to try to get him? Just like, a, give, a, give me an example. Of like a, a backup player, someone that you don't necessarily you didn't start last week. Someone who you feel that other person might need. It might be a wide receiver, and they have the quarterback. They might want a connection. That is, I'm just saying, if you don't have a tight end. <laughs> that sound is amazing if you don't have a tight end. But I, I'm thinking you can get Dallas Goddard on the cheap, on the low, and he's someone that I would recommend you go out there and you get. Now, we're going to talk about selling high, Amy, and these are players who had a great week one, but I'm not sure if I see them continuing throughout the year. So maybe take a chance and dump them. Hmm. Get someone 
to... Who are you dumping? Well, I don't know what your team is. But you find someone who might be willing to overvalue this player and maybe give you a little bit more than what he's really worth. Now, this guy had a great week in week one. That's Jacoby Myers. He uh, nine catches for 81 yards and two touchdowns in his debut with the Raiders. You know a little bit about the Raiders, right? I heard of him. Okay. <laughs> now, he's right now he's in concussion protocol, took a shot to the head, and so we're, we're going to see he might not even play next week. But Devontae Adams is obviously the number one receiver for the Raiders. If you want to keep him, that's fine. But I'm telling you, you could probably sell high on Jacoby. Someone's going to look at his stats and think that maybe this is the guy that they want. So, you know, I'm all for fleecing people in your league too, Susie. I okay. mean, because fantasy football, you're generally playing with your friends and it's kind of fun. So when you like you can, fleecing your friends? Yeah. I mean, what better Ooh. people to fleece than the people you love the most, right? So Jacoby Myers, he's a guy that I would say, if you got him, try to see what you could get for him. And I think that you can get a nice return because, like I said, he had a tremendous week last week. Um, let's talk about some free agent pickups of the week. We have – I don't think a lot of people – and I, I'm going to apologize for this because I know this is your guy, Mac Jones. I don't know that a lot of people had a lot of faith in Mac You're going to make her cry. <clears throat> no, because no, listen, I, I think she's going to be happy with what I'm saying yeah, about Mac. Yeah, but, T.J., I want to hear what you're going to say. Well, then, he, then I'll interrupt you after. Bill O'Brien, <laughs> you know, Chris Brockman was – Always in an uproar about the Pat's lasso coordinator. Now you got Bill O'Brien. Matt kind of got busy. And if it wasn't for a bad call, they probably, they, I'm saying you, this is your squad. You probably would have beat the Eagles. So Matt, 35 of 54, 316 yards and three touchdowns. Last Might want to take those two field goals that mm-hmm. you forewent. Is that even a word? For, when for, you forego something, for, if yeah, you did yeah. it in the past tense, did you forewent it? Then you forewent. Yeah, yeah. what? If you take the two field goals and you make them, you win the Eat game. Eat your ice cream. <laughs> okay, okay, sorry. So what I'm saying is, guys, if you need a quarterback out there, and you probably shouldn't depending on the size of your league, but if you do, Mac Jones is a good pickup. I think he'll be all right for you. Then you got Puka Nakua. What a name from the Rams. Nobody expected Matt Stafford to do anything this year. A lot of people believe that the Rams were going to, I, I, I hate to say lay down, I hate to say tank, but a lot of people thought that. It wasn't the case. Puka what a name, Amy. Puka Nakua. I love 15 that name. targets, 10 catches, 119 yards. Cooper Cup is out for at least the next three games. Um, Stafford targeted Puka more than any other receiver by far. He's probably available. You could probably get him on the low if you're in auction. If he's a you're in a waiver wire league, I'd say he's someone who you want to put a waiver claim in for because Matt Stafford's got to throw the ball to somebody, and why not Puka? And I love me some running game, so who you got for that? Uh, well, I have Justice Hill, Amy, from Baltimore. Now, he only had nine yards rushing, but he did have two touchdowns. Now, J.K. Dobbins, as we know, he got hurt. He's out. Gus Edwards is probably going to be the primary ball carrier for the Ravens. But, look, take a chance. That's what fantasy football is all about, right? It's essentially, have you guys seen the movie The Last Boy Scout with Bruce Willis? Is that a Christmas movie? <laughs> it's not a Christmas <laughs> movie. But it, it, there's a line in that movie where – Bruce Willis asks a guy, head or gut? And essentially, to me, that's what fantasy football is. You look at the stats. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, you look at the stats, right? And you decide, okay, the stat, statistically, this player should do this, this, and this. Or you can reach deep down in your gut and go, I have a feeling. And if you got a feeling, you kind of got to run with that feeling. I'm big on feelings. So I would say take a I'm shot. Big on, on feelings. How about that? Too. It's more than the feeling. And and you know what? I'm on a, a show weekly, CBS Sports Network. It's called that other pregame show. And at the end of every show, we have to make our picks for the week. And I always struggle when I make my picks, head or heart, mm-hmm. head or heart. And I go heart a lot. A lot. Yeah. I mean, look. That to me, that's all fantasy is. So I like Justice Hill. First of all, his name is great. Gus Edwards is there, but, you know, take a shot. That's what we're doing here. Zay Jones out of Jacksonville, five catches, 55 yards. He made an incredible touchdown. Trevor Lawrence is obviously looking at Calvin Ridley to be his number one, but if you have a spot open, take Zay Jones. And uh, we got Rashid Shahid out of New Orleans, five of six targets, 89 yards. He caught a touchdown from David Carr. He also carried the ball twice for 11 yards, so you're going to get – 
the running yards, you're going to get the receiving yards and receptions if you're in a PPR league. All right, so, your, your ice cream is melting. I'm well, going to tell you to get into that ice cream. It's melting faster than... I'll do that real quick. Faster than a quarterback's confidence when Micah Parsons is bearing down on them. And so. that's what's going to happen. So, look, it's still really... I personally recommend not to wave the white flag when it comes to fantasy. You've only had one week. Kind of trust your instincts. Trust your gut. If that team that you drafted, if you felt strongly about them, let it roll for week two. But if not... These are just some people that should be available in most leagues. I feel you pick them up and it can help you out a little bit. TJ Jefferson, thank you for your weekly advice that we're going to have here on What the Football. Go eat thank your you. ice cream before it melts. I Do you need more sprinkles? It. No, you put a lot in there. Amy, okay. So. Do you need any more sprinkles, Suze? I'm good. I'm good, babe. Well, the first episode of What the Football is in the Books, which I have to say this is a blast. I want to thank Charles Woodson for coming on. I want to thank you, Amy Trask, for booking Charles Woodson, which was huge. Jerry, you know who you are. But we're really thrilled that you guys took the time to stop by. Subscribe wherever you are, wherever you find your podcasts, wherever it may be. Leave us comments. We're going to get together some kind of email situation, some kind of tweet situation. Look, I'm, I'm in another decade when it comes to a lot of this tech. But we want to hear from you. We want to hear what your favorite ice cream is. We want to hear if you want ice cream reviews. We're, we're kind of open to hearing back from you guys, the listeners, about what you want out of this podcast, because Amy, I've had a blast week one getting that through. Susie, do I have sprinkles on my lips? <laughs> you guys, no, no, I'm, I'm serious. Do I have sprinkles you, you on have my no face? No sprinkles. Do you have sprinkles in your teeth? Smile. Mm-mm, mm-mm, uh, no, mm-mm, you don't. I'm, I, I am really worried. For, I do have sprinkles in my teeth. For those of you who are taking this in via Rich Eisen Show production stuff, YouTube or what have you, please look and see what she's having after having had a bowl of ice cream. They say that women in Los Angeles don't eat after two o'clock in the afternoon. I never heard that before. Mm -hmm. Amy came in this morning, had herself a whipped cream with chocolate sauce on top, followed up by ice cream, followed up by this beauty, which is sprinkles with whipped cream in the middle and that on top. And that's not just No, no, but there's ice cream under the sprinkles. So there's ice cream, then some sprinkles, because I wanted to use up the rest of the sprinkles. But you don't want to waste those sprinkles because... You don't waste sprinkles. Um, I would like to apologize to whomever it is that is responsible for this beautiful, beautiful set that the Rich Eisen Show created for us because there are now sprinkles all over. There are sprinkles on the desk. There are sprinkles on the floor. I'm a little panicked that there's sprinkles on my face, um, but it's okay. But speaking of sprinkles, this is a little taste of what you will get from What the oh, Football. I like how I did I that. see what you did there. It's cute, right? That's why you have an Emmy. That's why I have an Emmy and Rich doesn't. But you know what else Rich has that I don't have? A piece of ice like this. And guys, I'm going to describe to you what you're seeing. Rich was given on the show on uh, NFL Game Day morning on Sunday, week one, a ice-encrusted necklace that says rich, and it's about two inches high. It is full-on rapper-style ice. So, of course, I tweet. I don't tweet. I text to Rich during the show. Can we sell that? (laughs) I'm like, can we sell that necklace? I was like, I could get some serious coin from that on the real reel or something like that. So I was just saying a family heirloom and you can hand it from generation to generation. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. That, that'd be great. Looking forward to handing that down to my granddaughter someday. A little (laughs) piece of ice that says rich because nothing is classier than the word rich and ice. Now, do they give that to him for any particular reason or just because they love him? I think they gave it to him. For all he does with Run Rich Run? No, but that's cute and altruistic. I think it was just some kind of show-offy kind of thing, and I would have had to have been paying more attention to actually remember why. I think I remember something about it, but regardless, he got the necklace. If that makes its way into its house, you know what will happen? Like everything else in our life, it'll end up here in the Rich Eisen Show studios. I dare you. I triple dog dare you to wear that on one of our podcasts. Triple dog dare. I'm incredibly vain, but I'm willing to consider it. What will I get for it? What will you do if I wear that? Because there's sprinkles all (laughs) over my teeth. (laughs) Guys, we really appreciate you stopping by here at What the Football. We're looking forward to seeing you and talking to you every single Tuesday. It drops every Tuesday. And we look forward to breaking down week two the way only we can here on What the Football. So subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. We will be right here. Amy Trask, Susie Schuster, for all the great crew here at Rich Eisen Show Productions. Thank you. Thank you all. And sorry about the sprinkles. (laughs) 
John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.